So by the time I was 12 or 13, I was actually doing talks and all sorts of stuff. Wow. I was incredibly shy. So it was a big deal for me to do it. I can remember to this day my first children's talk that they asked me to do. And I prayed there'd be no children there. I was so scared that I said, please, God, don't let there be any children there. And there weren't. And I was so happy. I was like, oh, good. And they said, well, since you prepared it, maybe you could do it next week. So I had to wait another whole week before I did it. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Raising Standards. And today, my very, very special guest is... Heather Thompson. Um, hi, Heather. Welcome. Hi, Ollie. It's great to be with you again. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your ministry, your journey, and, uh, and what you do? I'm actually, uh, posh title, the director of Powerpack Ministries. Um, so everybody calls me the boss, but I'm not quite sure if that's really true in, in real terms, <laughs> in practical terms, should I say. Um, but Powerpack's been around for a long time. Um, and the whole idea uh, behind the name that God gave us was that that children would be packed full of God's power mm. and all of our meetings would be packed full of his power. Um, and so, you know, over the years, 30 plus years now, uh, we've seen God do amazing things with kids and raise them up to to stand, to make a difference. Uh, our kind of strap line is we want to see children who are God chasers and nation shakers. Um, yeah. And so we do that through kids meetings, training leaders. I do a lot of traveling overseas normally, um, missing it a lot right now. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's been amazing to see how God's just used ordinary people like us to do incredible things with so many children. And of course, I can barely go anywhere now when somebody, an adult doesn't come up to me and say, do you remember me? I was eight and I became a Christian in Power Pack or I got filled with the Holy Spirit or God said this to me. And I'm like, I'm looking at them thinking, mm, I don't quite remember you. Well, and that's when you know you've been in kids ministry for a long time when you start ministering yeah. to the children of the children. Yeah. 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 Okay. So God chases nation shakers. Can you unpack the nation shakers bit a little bit more? What does that look like? Well, we really, we really had this this uh, thing from God this impression from God that he wanted kids to be able to make a difference wherever they were so their nation might be their family there might be their school uh, it, it, or it could be the actual nation that they live in or another nation so for instance we've had kids who who've really had something on them about praying for another nation and and yeah. so when they're eight nine ten they're actually by praying actually making a difference in their nation in another nation or in this nation um so there's that and and we've seen loads of kids called if you like to missions um to the nations over the years um but but really we want to see every child make a difference whether they're at school or even in their church they can make a difference they can be a nation shaker they can be a church shaker or a school shaker um, and so we, we've done over the years lots of activities, lots of workshops with children to just help them actually, to train them really, to be nation shakers, to train them to share their faith, to pray for the sick, to, to, to actually stand strong where they are and make a difference, rather than, than um, them being influenced by their culture all the time, 
but they're standing and making a difference. And you've been doing children's ministry for a little while. Just a little. <laughs> I'm saying that politely now, but have you seen a shift in how the children are? I mean, in one sense, children are children all over the world in every generation, in every time. There's the same kind of playfulness, the same innocence, the same everything along the way. In some ways, wherever you are in any culture, yeah. that's true, isn't it? Yeah. But have you seen a change how children have been before you in any way? I think, you know, since the, the kind of internet and the, the, the whole news media thing, I think children are much more world conscious. Mm. They're much more, they're much more um, connected with, with things around the world or within the nation or whatever. So I think that's made a difference in the sense of a positive difference in the sense yeah. that they can, they can, they can focus um, and um, and they can they can access a lot of resources to help them um, actually connect with different situations. Whereas 20 years ago, that probably wasn't the case so much. Yeah. So a child 20 years ago might have said, you know, I, you know, I feel God's calling me to be a missionary in India, you know, and they had to work quite hard at that point to get information about India or to connect with anybody who was involved in India, mm. with India. Whereas now it's much easier. Um, and even, you know, some of the exhibitions I've been to where they do these virtual reality, you know, walkthrough type things about what it's like in another country. Mm. It means that kids, can, kids can, can, can connect much more. So I think that's been a positive change. Um, okay. I, and I think I think negatively there's been a change in the sense of there's a lot more negative coming against them. I mean, there's always it's always been difficult. Christians have always been in the minority, as it were. Um, but I think it's more overt now. Um, actually, when we were talking earlier I, and you were talking about your dream, uh, it reminded me of a dream I had. Um, Oh, it, it's probably 12 years or so ago now. And I was in Argentina, actually, where I go a lot, as you know. Yeah. And um, I had this dream just before I woke up one morning. And it was a dream of a... I, I arrived at the, the end of a, a, a children's meeting. I had hundreds of children there. And the sense I had when I arrived, I was standing at the back, was that the children had lots of fun. Um, and that's really important. We want kids to have fun. But the sense I had, and it was only a sense, it was a dream-like thing. Oh, yeah, can, I, can I pause for a second? Why is that important that children have fun? Well, I, I agree I think, with you, but I, there'll I be mean, some of them They're children, going... aren't they? They're children. And actually, they learn by having fun. I mean, I had a boy come to me once. He said, this is the most fun meeting I've ever been in. And I said, well, why is that? Thinking he'd say about all the activities and things, fun activities that we'd organised. He said, because I got to pray for people and I saw God do stuff. Yeah. You know, so that that spiritual aspect can be fun, yeah. but they learn by doing all the other activities. They learn the social skills. They, they learn what it's like just to be a child, um, enjoying other people's presence um, and enjoying God's presence at the same time. So for me, fun has always been important in our meetings. Yeah. You've got to have a good dose of fun. Um, well, and, the children and, wanted to be around Jesus, so he can't have been yeah, no. kind and of the stuffy and aloof. Yeah, and the spiritual stuff can be just as fun if you yeah. if you work hard at it. Um, but they need just a regular, let's go and play a game of football for the boys or, you know, do a craft or those kind of things. They need all of those things as well. 
So, so anyway, back to the meeting. The, yeah. the sense I had was they'd had fun, but there'd not been a lot of spiritual input in, in that meeting. <clears throat> and I was, you know, feeling a little bit disappointed by this. And then I noticed that the, that the right on the, this side was uh, the, the building had an open side. Um, and there was this huge wave coming like a tsunami. Mm. And I was panicking, thinking, oh, no, these kids are going to get swallowed up in this tsunami. And I started yelling at the 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 leaders come on let help me get them out of the way we've got to get them out of the way and the, the leaders just stood there looking at me as if i'd got, gone crazy you know and i knew in the dream that this represented all the negative stuff that was coming against our children mm. and potentially they could get swallowed up in all of this all this stuff and um so i'm i'm yelling at the leaders nobody's moving and and the wave broke over the children which was horrendous you know um, and I'm like trying to rescue the children because I was standing. It was like up to my my thighs type thing, um, dream kind of thing. But there were kids that literally in front of my eyes that, that were flailing around in the water like like drowning in front of me. And I was pulling them out and pulling them out. And I'm still calling to all the leaders who are also standing, but they're just looking as if, what are we doing here? Mm. And um and then I noticed actually there were some children who were also standing. And um, and so I called the children. I said, come and help me. We've got to rescue these children that, that wow. are, are drowning. And and so the children and I rescued all the, the children. And then I woke up at the point at which we rescued all the children. Yeah. So it, it, it wasn't a nightmare as such because we rescued them all. Um, mm. And it, it was one of those dreams when I knew God was saying something, but I wasn't quite sure at that point what. So I went through the whole day asking God, can you show me what, what it means, you know, what, it, what it's all about. And then I went to a meeting that night. And in the middle of the worship, the pastor stopped. It was like a, there was probably 30 people there in, a, in a, like a house group type situation. And, um, and he stops the worship and he points at me and she sa he says, you're the lady with the children's ministry, aren't you? And I'm like, well, okay, yes. I'd met him in, a, in another city in Argentina, probably five years before. He'd got no reason to remember me really. Mm. And um, he says, God's gonna take you to Asia. And I'm thinking, okay, we'll see. You know, one of those kind of situations, you, you, you wait to see if it comes about. Yeah. And then he told me my dream in minute detail. And I was like, oh oh okay God, <laughs> you're really saying something here you know kind of thing and so I really gave myself to praying and asking God what it meant and and what I felt God say to me was that children are under attack there there is a lot of negative coming against them um, and what what God wants is children who are who can stand and not only children who can stand but they can rescue other children they can have an impact on other children who actually are not standing and not doing so well. And he, and he also spoke to me about leaders and he said, I want, I want my leaders to be aware of what's going on and mm. what's needed in these days. You knew, but the other leaders didn't. And so they yeah. just stood and watched. Um, and that, that really, I mean, that was a, a very impactful dream. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I've shared it a lot with lots of people because I do think that's what God's about in these days. He and wants some, children who can stand strong. Yeah, some people will think, oh, you know, there's this kind of urgency and are we sensationalizing it when you put it in those terms? 
But I think when we look at some of the shift that's happened in our culture, it's what was a dream is now reality yeah. in some yeah. ways, isn't it? And I, yeah. I guess you've had 10 years to process this more. What was the difference between the children who could stand and the ones who needed rescuing? Was it simply a mark of salvation? I, I, I'm guessing probably not because the teachers were saved, what were the, leader, the other leaders would be saved, but didn't seem to engage with this process of standing or not. What, what, was there any keys in there? Well, I, I, I'm not sure that the children, they were standing because they were strong in their own faith, I felt. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they didn't know what to do. They were standing there, they were watching, but they needed somebody like me, or yeah. it could have been anybody, to yeah. say, come on, you can be involved in actually rescuing others. So I, I, think, I think in the dream, it was more about that they knew who they were in God. They yeah. knew who God was. They, they knew enough to stand, keep, keep hold of their ground, as it were, and, 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 and not be not be knocked over literally by the wave yeah um but they they still lacked the the um encouragement and the the training to actually make a difference yeah. and that's um, why i i think we felt in power pack it's really important that we we actually do train children we do give them tools if you like training sounds a bit of a you know, it's not like we're going to have a, a training course that goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks, but we, we want to give them some tools so that actually not only do they they know who they are and they know who God is, but they that they can actually represent God and do something for him. So I think that's the difference, that they they were they were strong in what they believed and who they were. So how can we help our children to be strong in what they believe? And who they are. I mean, that's this sounds like the aim of every parent and every children's leader. The reason we're doing all that we're doing is for this very purpose. But as you say, in that dream, some were and some weren't. And, and in our ministries, we've seen children who are standing strong, both of us have, and children yeah. who are not standing strong, who've been kind of almost in the same environment. Um, what, what can we do to help more children stand? Um. I, I think there's been a lot of emphasis in the past, and, and you'll probably agree with this, Ollie, on educating our children. So they, they know, um, if you like, they need to know the Bible. Yes, they do need to know the Bible. But if it's just stories from the Bible that actually don't make a difference to them in the here and now, as it were, mm. then it, it's just more facts. Um, and I know there's, there's power in the word of God, in yeah. whatever context but yeah. the more you can apply it and actually use the word of god then the better it's going to be so i i think sometimes you can think oh i'm doing a great job sharing all these bible stories with with the kids but if it doesn't and go you, any, and you are as a start you are you there's are. nothing wrong with that you yeah, because the kids those, need it those stories do give a world view they do give yeah. a way of thinking i mean the, the David and Goliath, that one who seems weak can overcome with God on them. So there is a narrative behind those stories. You're not saying yeah. there's no value in them, quite the opposite. You're saying no. the value is so great that we have to help them to live it out. Yeah, and we have to help them apply it and, and be able to use the word. Yeah. So I think that's a really important thing. 
mm. actually and to to actually all the time i mean one of the things we do a lot in our meetings is we want children to make a response so if we do some teaching then we want to ask them to respond to it so so it's not just a an academic exercise it, it's actually well okay i've heard this um you know i've heard uh, the story of elijah on mount carmel you know he he was he came against all these prophets false prophets um and he was and god really came through for him in that context you know and and to be able to say to kids well actually you're going to face people that say to you uh they don't believe in god you're wrong they believe in another god well what are you going to do about that are you going to be oh well just leave it or are you going to actually stand and say well no this is actually what i believe um you know and not in a negative way um but to actually be strong and say no i'm not going to believe what you believe i know what yeah. i believe yeah. uh, just and and then i would would want to say to those children okay in order to do that you're going to need help and the mm. holy spirit's a helper so we're going to pray for you that you're right. going to get help from the holy spirit that you need um so i think that kind of taking it all on a bit further is really important and i think sometimes we don't do that and, and does that extend beyond the meeting time do you have some stories i guess and asking of children who have gone from the meeting to then live out their faith in a different way yeah i i, I can remember one boy stay with me forever really because his mother came to see me and I don't know about you, but sometimes when parents come towards me, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. You know, it's like one of those, oh, no, have I done something wrong or is this going to be good? But she came, she said, um, I want to tell you what happened um, to my son after he was in your meetings last year. She said he'd been really badly bullied at school. He was really, really struggling. So we decided for year six to move him to a new school. And... Uh, and she said, while he was in one of your meetings, he said he heard God say he was to start a Christian club in his school. And she said, I did everything I could to dissuade him from even going for this, because she said, you know, we we really desperately wanted him to have one year, his last year in primary school, when he wasn't going to be bullied. You know, he could keep his head down type thing. And now he's saying, no, God's told me to start a Christian club in school. Um, but she said when he went back to school, um, he was absolutely adamant that God had spoken to him. Mm. So he was he was going into year six. So what, 10 coming, you know, yeah. going to be 11 in that year. So he goes to see the head teacher, takes takes somebody he knows with him and says, um, can I start a Christian club? Now, bearing in mind, he's just started this new school. Can I start a Christian club? And the head teacher says, um, no, uh, no, I'm not sure. Come back and ask me in a, a few weeks. So he left it for a few weeks and he went back and she said, well, you, you're going to have to invite the whole school. You're going to, you know, make this open to everybody if you're going to do it. So um, you're not going to need to stand up in school assembly and invite everybody. So, OK. So he said, yeah, I think I can do that. You know, now this is a kid that's been badly bullied for years, you know. Yeah. And uh, so he stands up in 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 the whole um uh, in, in front of the whole school and he invites them, and um and the first week, um thirty kids show up for his Christian club, and he's got a um a, a teacher who's 
a Christian who's actually kind of offered to be there. But basically he and his friend lead this whole group. And they had that kind of number there every week for the whole of the rest of the year. Um, and um, I had a great time, you know, and his mum said everything inside me wanted to stop this. But he was so sure God had spoken to him that I let him go for it. Wow. And she said he wasn't bullied. He was actually really respected by people for, for doing what he'd done. And what faith to persist in asking and to, you know, even against his mum's wishes to yeah. say, we're going to go for this. Exactly. I mean, that, that's a God moment in his life he's had, isn't it? Yeah, are, are exactly. They... We had another boy as well. Let me tell you this story because this was, he was only eight, this boy. And um, he felt he wanted to start a club in school. Um, and he, again, he had the same kind of uh, uh, reaction from his head teacher. No, we haven't got any parent teacher helpers or anything. But, you know, he kept going. He, he said, I kept persisting and asking and asking and asking. He told me this like a year later when he was just nine. And, um, and he said, and so we started and uh, these kids came. And, and then he said, um, um, some of my friends started to ask how to become Christians. So he said, oh, I led 17 of them to Jesus. And he said, in the end, we had so many children wanting to come to the club that we had to have a waiting list. Wow. <laughs> so he's eight years old and he's doing this in school. <laughs> the, the level of the level of organisation, even yeah. to have the waiting list. I mean, yeah. can you imagine all of our churches? Well, well, some, many of them are like that at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Put your name yeah. down before you go, and there's a waiting yeah. list for that. So, so maybe we can imagine that side of things. But this is yeah. this is this is a sovereign move of God, really, and it's yeah. come from them being part of the ministry and part of the move of God that you're involved with. Is this? I, I want I want to tease that apart a little bit more. Well, so you let them have a response, but there must be more to it than that, is there? <laughs> well, you can say to me, no, that's all it is. It's all about a response. That's the, well, I, I think where, where about, does God feature in this? Where's the Holy well, Spirit in all of this? Well, I think it's about, they, they respond and they receive from the Spirit. Yeah. They, they, they uh, I mean, we're, we're, we want our meetings to be packed full of God's power. Yeah. Um, we want to give God the opportunity to work. We want children to be in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, anything can happen. Hmm. And, we, and, and so I would start all my meetings by saying, I've got some good news for you. God's here and he can do anything. Are you ready? Just because I want to raise faith yeah. um, in them. Uh, but I also want to state what the, what the truth is. That hmm. is the fact that God is there and he can do anything. And so we start from that basis. Um, and so when we do our teaching or and we have our response time, it, it's in that context of the presence of God and in that context of receiving from the spirit, receiving mm. the helper, more help from the helper mm. and try, trying to help them as well realize that the Holy Spirit isn't just in the meeting. The Holy Spirit goes with them everywhere. And so if they're at school and they're struggling, then a little cry, please help me with the Holy Spirit. That, that sense of getting them, uh, trying to encourage them every morning to be asking, um, please, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit for today. What do you want me to do for you today? Um, how can I work with you today? To, so to build all of those kind of things into their thinking, um, I think is really important. And then 
once that once they're putting some of those things into practice and some kids will get it quicker than others um and that's the case with everything isn't it yeah but then you actually start to share the testimonies you start to share uh what's happening and then kids can get hold of that oh they did that oh i expect i could do something like that yeah they're uh, the same age as me it's not just heather and her yeah. team up front it this is yeah. a child my age god could use and, and did that yeah that's powerful yeah. testimonies are powerful yeah um but you know just a little thing about testimonies i think we have to be careful as well that we don't um put so much pressure on kids that they feel they've got to have a testimony hmm. and this is a little bit of a, a warning really because we had a boy once in one of our meetings who came and told us this amazing testimony of something he'd done and it turned out that he'd made the whole thing up wow it sounded very um plausible except i just had a little bit of a check in my spirit when hmm. he shared it i just thought oh, i'm not sure you know and and if children share testimonies we always want to particularly things like that which involved in praying for somebody who got out of a wheelchair and all sorts of stuff we want to check them out we yeah. don't want to just share them without checking them and so we actually spoke to his parents and they knew nothing about it um and that taught me a lot really that mm. you can build a testimony rich culture but that can have that can put pressure on on children or adults for that matter yeah um and you know and we often share stories about kids who say they've been healed we always want to check that those things out um and we also you know we get children who share and say well i was a little bit better but not all, all better mm. you know because that's important to be real uh we want it to be real not not um triumphantless triumphantless oh i can't even say it now you know what i mean not overly um, triumphant. Not, not overly triumphant. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt the word you were going no, for. No, no. <laughs> um, you know, so that, that actually we want the truth. We want it to be authentic yeah. and real. Yeah, we don't uh, need to make things up. God's no, doing enough that we can celebrate no. what he's doing, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, want, we want to keep them rooted. I, I wonder if you would mind sharing some of your story of how you ended up involved with children's ministry and, and particularly this seeing children stepping into ministry in the ways that you've described. What was your journey? Um, I, I, I actually went, oh, I have to go right way back that when I, I come from a non-Christian home, but when I was seven years old, my mum took me to a local mission. I was in London, London City Mission um, Hall, where as a child, she went to something. And um, it took me to a Sunday school, a Sunday afternoon Sunday school and said, if you like it, go again. If you don't like it, you don't ever have to go again. Well, I did like it. And the main reason I liked it was in those days, I had a brilliant memory. So and they always had quizzes. And of course, I knew all the answers to all the quick questions. So everybody wanted me on their team. So I felt very, you know, positive about this whole experience. When I was 11, I went on a camp with them and I became a Christian um, at that camp. Um, but the situation in that mission hall was that we had lots of children under 11. But once they hit 11, they kind of, that we didn't see them anymore basically mm. there was that black hole i call it the black hole of the 11s to 14s you know you've got to work hard to actually create a ministry that 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 keeps those um that age group and takes them into youth and um and so what they did what the, the the people in charge did was they said well 
you're too old to really be one of the kids now. Um, so we'll make you a leader, a junior leader. And so by the time I was 12 or 13, I was actually doing talks and all sorts of stuff. Nice. I was incredibly shy. So it was a big deal for me to do it. I can remember to this day, my first children's talk that they asked me to do. And I prayed there'd be no children there. I was so scared that I said, please God, don't let there be any children there. And there weren't. And I was so happy. I was like, oh, good. And they said, well, since you prepared it, maybe you could do it next week. So I had to wait another whole week before I did it. So it was a, it was a stretch for me because my own personality wasn't such that I would want to do it. And, um, and, it was, and it was a situation where there was no real talk about the Holy Spirit. And I went all the way through my teenage years. I really, if anything, I, was, I thought the Holy Spirit um, had finished his job when, you know, the Bible was finished, the, the early church, that was it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, um, and even at university, you would have put me in the anti-Holy Spirit group. Um, I, I wasn't really... I wasn't really uh, um, open to it at all. Mm. Um, and then um, uh, after after university, um, I went. I was in a, a church that was very again non Holy Spirit oriented, and um, but by design, you know, I'd chosen it because of that. And and they did this like pulpit exchange thing once Sunday in a year. And this pastor came to speak and um, and I just kind of knew that there's something different about him. And, um, and I did some research and discovered that he'd been somebody who'd really led his his um, church into renewal of the Holy Spirit. So I thought, oh, maybe I should find out a little bit more about this. And so I actually literally made a for and against list for the Holy Spirit or against the Holy Spirit. And at the end of three months, I gave myself three months, I had more on my for list than my against list. And so I was like, okay, God, I give in, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Um, I have no idea what that that looks like or that means. You know, I've got no experience whatsoever. I read it in the Bible. I thought you know, it was past. Read it in the Bible. Didn't feel any different. Got up the next morning and thought, oh, when, you, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, they could speak in tongues. I guess I can then. You know, it was just just like that. Um, and um, anyway, I'm not going to, you know, bore everybody or bore you with all the details of what happened after that. But what 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 really struck me, I'd been involved in children's ministry the whole way through all of this. But what 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 I came to the conclusion uh, about at that point was that if I needed the Holy Spirit, so did the children. Hmm. But of course nobody really was talking about children and the Holy Spirit in those days and then um, I was in a church by this time where Ishmael was yeah. one of the leaders well he hadn't ever worked really with children at that point um, but um, I'd, I'd been teaching for five years God had told me to leave my job and, and just at about the same time God spoke to Ishmael about being involved with children and so he and I teamed up for couple of years and we really kind of we went on this journey where we had no idea what we were doing um, and along that at, at the same time I used to lead this little home group for kids they were all kids from non-christian homes apart from the family there were two girls in this family where we had the had the group and so I told this stupid well stupid I mean it was really not very 
very um, imaginative, but this story about a group of children, the first week they got filled with the Holy Spirit, the second week they got filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, the first week they became Christians, the second week they got filled with the Holy Spirit, the third week they started speaking in tongues, the fourth week they prayed for the sick, you know, and I just went through all these things and we did it. And I had all these parents come in saying, what have you done to my children? It's amazing. Their whole lives have changed. And I'm like, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, really. I'm just going through, you know, um, simply with this story. And actually, and can... This is something that some children see. There's a, there's a caution in us because we don't want to be seen to be, I don't know, manipulating the children or emotionally um, pulling them into something. And they have a vision that the Holy Spirit is going to equal all those things, but it's really not, is it? And I, no. I think particularly non-Christian children, I found that often they are so receptive and the parents are so happy because their children come yeah. back filled with the Spirit and help with the washing up. Yeah, and they don't exactly. answer back anymore. And they're like, I don't know what you're doing, but yeah. keep doing it because doing you're it. helping. And they can they can yeah. see the fruit of it. Sometimes I think um, the children have been raised within a Christian worldview. Their conscience isn't so pricked by the Holy Spirit, and so there isn't no. necessarily so dramatic a change because they were made to help with the washing up anyway, and they were told yeah. you're supposed to honour your parents. So it's kind of their way of thinking was there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can totally relate, totally relate on lots of levels to what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. One of the funny things was, though, when when all these non-Christian kids came back and said they'd been speaking in tongues in their school assembly, instead <laughs> of saying the Lord's Prayer, they spoke in tongues. And so I had to do a little bit of like, well, teaching, if you like, instruction about when and when and where, <laughs> you know, some of these things were, to, were appropriate or not. Um, but, you know, I can remember, you know, going through not really knowing what I was doing when I, I come. We, we were doing this weekend, Ishmael and I, and and I can remember him doing this little uh, talk about the Holy Spirit, and then we sent the kids out while we had a coffee. And they, they didn't go further than the door. They all lined up outside the door because they were just desperate. And then, you know, they came in, and, and he said, oh, come on, let's pray for them all then. Well, I, I had no idea how to pray for children at that point for the Holy Spirit. But because of my own experience, um, I, I just... Uh, and that's quite important, I think, that that once you've experienced something yourself and the way you experience something, which for me was very clinical and very, well, the Bible says it, therefore, this is what I'm doing. Uh, my expectation was that I'd pray for children. They'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, whether they felt anything or not. And then they'd start speaking in tongues and using the gifts of the Spirit. And that's exactly what happened for me and, and, and still is, you know, because that was that's been that was my experience. That's very um, childlike faith. It, it, yeah. I read and it, I, God says it. Yeah. So that's it. And that's really what we want to engender in in our children, isn't it? That it's it's much simpler than we sometimes give all this credit for. You know, and I, I meet lots of leaders who say, Well, I couldn't possibly start um seeing my children using the gifts of the spirit and whatever. It'd be so difficult. And I, I don't really feel very confident myself. Well, I, I've had leaders who've prayed for children. They can't speak in tongues themselves. But when the children start, they start. You know, they're just willing to take one step and God meets them. And I think that's really important for leaders to get a handle on, that God's not asking us to have it all sorted out. Mm. I, I, I didn't have it all sorted out. I still don't have it all sorted out because God keeps doing slightly different things. And 
Um, and, um, you know, and I longed in the beginning to read the book that would tell me, you know, the, the top 10 tips to see children uh, raised up as God chasers and nation shakers, you know, and, um, and of course there weren't any. That nobody was doing this that I knew of. Um, and, um, and so it was like a, it was a real, I, I use the word challenge, but it was a, it was a journey really. Mm. It was a trial and error. It was a trust God, go for it, see what happens. Um, and God, God was faithful because I think God's more, more desperate, if you like, if God could be desperate, but you know what I mean, to give of his, of himself and of his Holy Spirit than we are to receive. And, and sometimes I think we, we can stand in the way. Um, and leaders, because of their own fear and their own um, perception of their lack of ability, can stand in the way of children really running, running after him. And I, I, I made the decision that wasn't going to be get the case in Power Pack. We yeah. were going to go for it. Um, no matter what you were going to be god chasers and nation shakers yeah first, exactly so would follow yeah yeah and you've packed loads of your kind of practical experience into your book ignite isn't it if, if people want a practical manual that yeah. kind of, you were saying i wish there was that manual that could just someone who trailblazed the way well now now i think there is because you've written it <laughs> yeah well i i think there's probably a lot more resources out there now that, that you can get my ignite book really came out of at the same time as I had that dream, actually, in Argentina, a pastor asked me if I could write Holy Spirit-filled curriculum for mm. all his age groups in his church and get it translated into Spanish. And I was like, this is never going to happen. You know, I can't keep going with that kind of amount of, of, of writing. Um, but I felt God say to me, write a book that would help people take any curriculum in any context, in any country, um, and see something of the Holy Spirit. At work amongst their children mm. and I think that's how God used the book really yeah. um, a lot brilliant. of practical it's really good um, it's really good and yeah. can, we, can we change tack a little bit um I'm interested to know about your work in Argentina because spiritually it's a very it's a very different country it's in a different place it has different challenges um can you tell us some stories tell us some of the things that the lord's done whilst you've been there and why do you keep going back year after year and well, can i come too <laughs> i'm bringing yeah. that question <laughs> um well argentina is quite an interesting country i mean my first visit was in 2001 so 20 years ago now and i went actually as a burnt out missionary looking for god mm. that's why i went um, I wasn't looking for any more ministry opportunities. I had plenty. Um, I, I, I really, I went looking for a fresh experience of God. And actually God met me in a very powerful way um, during that three week period. I went with a group of leaders and we visited a lot of the kind of revival hotspots of the time. Because after the, um, you know, the Falklands War and the financial crash that they've had, that they had, they've had many, um, that um, God really came um, um, through powerfully and, 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 and really they've, they're a nation that's been in some form of revival for 30 plus years. And, um, and so there, there were lots of churches where you could go and they were having like nightly meetings, you know, way before in the 90s, 
early 90s god god was working powerfully i mean incredible things were happening um and so that's why i went and god met me um but what i discovered quite soon um during that first trip was that they hadn't really translated in most places any of what they were seeing happening with adults and to some extent youth to children so children's ministry in argentina was very traditional it would do a, you know tell a bible story have a snack do a craft play a game and that was about it mm. and it, it the, the difference between what was happening with children and what was happening with adult church was just mind-blowing it was unbelievable so everywhere we went, because we were a group of English people, which was unusual at that time, you know, you'd get Americans, but not necessarily English people, mainly because of the war, you know, and the, yeah. the difficulties there. Um, we, we would be asked to introduce ourselves. And um, I would say that I lead PowerPack Children's Ministry and our translator would have to explain what PowerPack meant and do all the rest of it and, and, and whatever. And people started coming to me saying, well, can, can you help us see the Holy Spirit work with our children? And I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm here because you're seeing so much. You're seeing what I haven't seen in the UK. You know, churches where they have eight meetings over the course of a weekend. Everyone is full, you know, full of the presence of God where you just don't want. It's like walking into a wall of the presence of God. You know, you don't want to leave them. And um, and yet nobody has thought to or hardly anybody i mean there were a few few little hot spots where people had started to see something happen with their kids and they'd committed to, to, to pushing through on that but very very little and so um people started to ask me those questions um and um so over the next few years i went back and increasingly um, I was still going for myself, mostly, to be honest, but increasingly where people were asking me to talk to their leaders or do a children's meeting or whatever. And it's quite hard to do a children's meeting for a translator. I mean, yes. it's bad enough they've got to listen once. If they've got to listen twice, it's really quite hard. So my, my aim really was to try and help. We're, we're, we're visual aids that can fit in a suitcase. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean... I remember going to Armenia once and it had to be translated twice, English to Russian, Russian to Armenian. I mean, a puppet sketch doesn't really happen then, you know, it's like terrible. But anyway, um, so, um, so it basically just expanded and expanded. And I met some people who really um, had got some vision for children's ministry in the city of La Plata. And they basically said, well, could we work with you? And I was very happy. And so we kind of raised up a local team um, within within Argentina, and they they did for a while all kinds of um, camps and uh, and different stuff, um, and um, and so I just continued to go really because it was a wide open door. I also had the amazing opportunity to connect with Carlos Anacondia, who's one of the um, evangelists in the world, who's who's seen masses and masses of people i did read somewhere that um before reinhardt bonke died carlos anacondia had seen um more people um no before reinhardt bonke died yeah 
it said um, Carlos had seen more people come to the Lord than anybody other than Reinhard Bonnke, who wow. was alive. Wow. But of course, most British people don't know of him because he's, he's, he has traveled the world. He's been to Britain and done a couple of crusades, but mostly it's been in the Spanish speaking world. Mm. And, um, and, and he has these massive outdoor crusades, evangelistic crusades, where not only do they get people um, saved, but they pray for the Holy Spirit, they pray for healing, they do a lot of deliverance ministry. Um, and so he said to me, well, when you're here, could you do something with children's leaders in the city? Because they go to different cities. Could you, could you train the children's leaders? Could you do some kids meetings? Could you do youth meetings? Um, could, could, could you actually help us um, give some attention to these other areas? So every time I go... What, what did you think on the inside when he said that? Was it... Well, I was like, oh! The whole thing is ridiculous, you know, that God's connecting me with the, the most influential churches and, and ministries in Argentina. And I'm looking at it thinking, really? A quiet English Baptist, which is what I call myself, <laughs> doing this? But it, it's been an incredible privilege to, to have that opportunity. And, and once we started, you see, children had been, they observed all of this. So they're all at the Crusades playing while all this is happening. So once you, once you actually do something that's directed to them and gather them, then it all happens with them because, well, they've seen it all. So the, the ground's been, been laid, if you like. Um, for it to happen and so yeah, they kind of know what to expect and I think that's they know true. What to... that, that's true in every church that it's easiest to take children into the direction of whatever the church is strong in we've found that time and again a church that's strong in intercession they may not have thought yet to bring their children deeper yeah. in intercession but when you show up and say hey should we pray and go deeper in intercession suddenly they're all there and you're like whoa that's the deepest prayer meeting with children I've ever had or if yeah. they're strong in worship Likewise, yeah. it's easy to see the children yeah. move in that because they've seen their parents modeling it, talking about it at home. It's in the church culture and DNA. It's, it's easy, fertile ground, as you said. Yeah. But it's, it's they're on a journey. Yeah. I mean, some, even some of the churches that I would say are the, the, the most amazing churches in terms of the Holy Spirit, uh, they're, they're still on a journey in terms of their children. Um, mm. Because their whole setup, with the numbers that they have often some of these very big churches are not not um they even their physical setup their rooms and everything don't allow for so a church that's very strong in worship they did no worship with their children but all the children are sitting at desks you know it's more like a school situation so even their physical um situations sometimes don't help to actually see some freedom um, if you like so I've been I've been amazed actually to, and it's been a privilege and an honour to actually partner with some of these these incredible um, ministers in Argentina. I think um, you told me there's one church in Argentina that takes children's calls more seriously than any other church you have seen in the world. Is that right? Yeah. Can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, there's a church um, on the outskirts of Buenos Aires where um, it, when I first went, it was called the Children's Church. Um, I, I never quite knew why, because they had like a thousand adults and less children, but they'd really caught some of the vision for children. And so they had lots of children's groups 
um, and this was this was early on. This was my first or second trip I visited there, where they were having fourteen-year-olds mentoring twelve-year-olds, and twelve-year-olds mentoring ten-year-olds, and all the way down. You know, they they'd really caught something about training children uh, and 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 really releasing them. And they also they they um they pay for children to have music lessons. Um, not so they can just pass their grades and their exams, but so that they can raise up worship leaders wow. and musicians. And then when the children are, you know, fairly proficient, 12 or 13 maybe, they send them out as um, uh, to, to lead services in churches that are um, small and struggling and maybe don't have their own worship group. So they go and lead worship and they might have like, also a, a 13 or 14 year old who's the preacher which and they've trained them um so i remember hearing one story where this girl 14 year old girl stands up and she says um i'm not claudio Freyton and i'm not carlos under condia but i'm a i'm a child of god so open your heart to listen to the word of god she's 14 you know kind of thing but they give they give them that kind of opportunity to do mm. that they also, if a child feels that they're called to mission somewhere, they will pay for language lessons for that child, for the, the language of the country where the child feels called. So they had one girl, they told me this, I don't know, two or three years ago, they had one girl who when she was 10 felt called to China. So they paid for Chinese lessons for her. And when she was 20, they actually sent her to China as a missionary. Wow. Uh, you have to remember that, that Argentina is a third world country. The, the financial situation is, is incredibly unstable. I mean, we think we're in a mess, but it's nothing in comparison with, mm. you know, where they are at. So for many of these children, unless a church or somebody gets behind them to sponsor them, they would never have those opportunities. But they've taken seriously that as a child, a child could be called, a child can minister, a child can be trained, and then then they release them to do it. Um, I, mean, I think that's amazing. I, yeah. I'd love to see every church doing that. I, I can hear some people may think, is that pushing children into a direction that maybe they don't want to go? What if, you know, this girl who feels called to be a missionary to China, and they give her all those language lessons, and then she, she can't really back out because of all that, is there is there any checks and well, balances within I, that? I mean, I, I think I I don't think it's it's it would be oh well you because of that because you I paid you paid we paid for this you've got to do this I don't think that would be the kind of relationship there is there and and I think I think as a church they would be saying well okay even if she feels like maybe she didn't quite hear God. But she's had all these language lessons. Well, that's going to stand her in good stead, even if she just goes and gets a job and yeah. becomes a translator. Yeah. You know, or something like that. So I don't think there would be the, the pressure. Um, it's much more fathering than putting them through a system. Yeah, it's more, yeah, uh, we want you to thrive. How can we help? I feel called to worship. We'll pay for yeah. music lessons. Yeah. We'll give you opportunities. Well, and actually, yeah. listening to you speak, they're, they're very intentional about what you were talking about, which earlier on, which is we take a Bible story. Yes, good. But then we expect a response that then leads into action. Uh, they're, they're very intentional about that last step of action. How can we 
And I think this is something we as adults can do is create opportunities that wouldn't be there for the children, even if not. And it, and it might be we don't pay for music lessons for all of our children and do all it might, we might not have the resources or the intentionality yeah. or the, the position of leadership to influence that. But we do have the resources to create opportunities of different sorts, don't we? Yeah, I, I don't know what I, I, kind of ways you're creating opportunities for the children. Oh yeah, go on. Sorry, don't let me cut I, you. I think one of the one of the things that we need to be really careful about, though, is that we. I mean, we we do something in our meetings called Power Pack Academy, which are training sessions basically. Mm. Um, so normally they get three or four half an hour training sessions and whatever. Um, and obviously, I'm talking about in the context of a, a summer camp or, um, a, yeah. you know. Um, but but even in the context of a local church, um, you know, you can still do that within local church. But you've then you've got to make sure that once you've done those training things, there is opportunity to use those things. Because it, it's not just about giving them the tools and then they, they, they get frustrated because they can't they can't actually use them. Hmm. So we would always make space in our meetings for some of these things that they've learned to be actually practiced, if you like, put into practice in a safe environment. Hmm. Um, and I, I think that's really important because, you know, that church could pay for kids to get music lessons, but then when they're fairly proficient, there's no place for them on a worship in a worship group. Well, what does that say to a child? What, what does that achieve in the end? It achieves frustration on the child. Maybe the child will have some skills. Yes, that's good. But in terms of ministry, it causes frustration. And, and actually, we, we could look as the adults and go, look how much we're investing in the children. Yeah. And yet, because we're not giving the opportunity, we're, we're stifling their growth and leaving. It's a bit like teaching them how to fix a washing machine and then never giving them a washing machine to fix. Exactly. What, what, what's exactly. the point of this skill? What am I going to do with that along the yeah. way? All right. Yeah. So I, I see in the world at the moment that we're in an unsettling time. Um, children have been out of school in many different nations in the world. Uh, family, the family structure, mother, father and children is not as stable as it once was in times gone by when there was kind of cultural pressure. You must stay together, even if it's hard. Um, but there's a definite instability, even on all kinds of areas of children's lives, the things that used to be presumed are not there. I'm concerned to see how we can help these children to be so strong and firm in the faith when they are surrounded by so many, um, so many adverse works of the enemy that are out and out to get them. Do you have a couple of keys to add to the things you've said already to really help these children dig deep in this season? I think one of the really important things that kids need in these days is they need to know what God says about them. They, they need they need all the positives feeding in. What, what shocked me is even in, in Christian camps, when we've asked children, how many of them struggle with, I mean, we don't use the word self-worth. Um, yeah. How many of you feel rubbish? You know, the masses of children that's, that respond. They're from Christian homes. They're from churches. Um, and that, that's kind of shocking in some ways. Um, I think if you feel, if you know what God says about you, if you know you're a prince or a princess, if you've had encouragements to believe what's the truth, 
um, I think you can you can cope with much more instability than you do if you don't know those things. Hmm. So it, it is about knowing that God's great and he can do everything. Obviously, that's one side of the coin. But you've got to also know what he says about you. Um, because often they're not maybe getting that um, in a if they're in a very difficult home situation or whatever. Um, there's so many challenges that maybe they're not getting the encouragement that they need. Um, they're not getting the positives. Um, maybe they're not doing very well at school academically for whatever reasons. Um, and they're not getting positives there. So as Christians, if we get if we get them in our in our field of, of vision, if you like, if we if they're there with us, then we need to be plowing um, stuff pouring it into them all the time you know that that they're you know even in terms of behavior you know you know if they're badly behaved then you know to actually be saying to them you know god's got better things for you you know so so you you put a positive spin on on it not 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 to um and again be unrealistic you know i'm not not saying that but just to, to, to build them up, you know, encourage one another and build one another up. Yeah, um, we, we talk about finding the gold that God's put in the children. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And helping them to see it. I, I remember one child we worked with in one of the estates in London and he was, he was, he was quite a handful. Um, we had to lock away leaders' handbags before sessions begin and, and things like this. So just to give a picture, we'd give him a lift home sometimes and uh, obviously two leaders in the car, particularly with this particular child. Um, and one particular time we had two younger children and this boy, and he was playing up and the younger ones were copying him. And uh, it, it was at a point we had to pull over. And I just turned around and I remember saying to him, Ryan, I am so surprised at you. And out of my mouth came these words, you are such a strong leader. You could lead these children in any yeah. direction you want to, but you're choosing to lead them to do the wrong things rather than the right things. I'm really surprised by that. The, the rest of the journey, he was, um, guys, don't do that, do that. And he suddenly became this model leader because it was in him. It's just no one had recognized his leadership yeah. ability to pull everyone in the wrong way. Imagine if that was harnessed to pull people in the right way. Imagine what the Lord could do through him if just someone was able to say, I believe in you because I see what God's put in you and invested in you along the way. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think those positives really that, really important yeah absolutely much more important than perhaps we always give it credit for yeah you know we we can be as christians i think we can be so much on well we've got to teach them about god and we've got to teach them about what he can do but actually they need to know what god thinks about them and what mm. they can do with god's help and and again i'm reflecting on what you're saying about and an opportunity to respond so we teach that and give an opportunity to respond. You said, you know, the number of children who respond to you feel rubbish and you see them respond because that response part is the moment where the Holy Spirit can come and meet yeah. with them. They're, they're opening That's themselves it. to God to say, Lord, this is me. And I, I re recognize this isn't how you've made me or what you want for me. Um, I think if, if I, I often say, if we were able to bring the transformation in children's lives that we sometimes see when the Holy Spirit turns up, if we were able to do that without God, we would set up a business yeah. <laughs> and say hey send your children to us and it'll cost you i don't know a thousand pounds and per child but we, we'll fix them 
send them in, give us for a week or a weekend, and we'll send them back out to you. Um, and just wonderful angels to go, oh, at every little thing. And uh, not that after they've encountered the Holy Spirit, they become perfect, but there is often a fundamental shift in yeah, many children. Definitely. We've seen this time, and I'm sure you have yeah. seen it time yeah. and time again, that when they encounter Jesus for themselves and they know that he's for them, not against them, it, it, it kind of shifts their ability to cope with everything else that's happening yeah. around them along the way. Well, Heather, have you got any other gems you want to share, any prophetic things that are in your mind uh, at this time? I've been putting yeah. you on the spot now, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, you are. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's anything else in my head right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe just, uh, you know, as we come out of the um, the pandemic and we're looking at starting, if you like, in-person meetings with kids and all the rest of it, my encouragement would be, you know, just don't go back to just what you did before. Ask God if there are things that needs to be, be changed or if there's an emphasis that needs to be changed or is there a different culture that you want to build? You know, there's been a gap. We've had a gap. Mm. So this is a great opportunity to actually make some changes. Um, I mean, people might have to make changes anyway because they might have lost some of their leaders or, you know, the whole situation is different. The children will be different as a result of this time. And so to actually be asking God saying, what, what, what should I be doing? How should this look for this next post-pandemic period when there's no doubt about it this is definitely a kind of reset moment I mean that's what lots of people are saying um, and I think as children's leaders we need to be careful we don't miss that mm. you know we might be just so um, glad to just get back to normal you know and not have to keep doing these zoom calls and whatever you know the online stuff and oh we're going to see real children again that the, the temptation would be just to just to go back to what we always did mm. and and i think god 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 wants to use this time to to push us to push us literally for some of us into uh doing something a bit different now don't ask me what that bit different is because i think it will look different for everybody mm. um but be open to hear from god and not just get back into the norm Oh, that's great. And if people want to track with you and find out more about PowerPack, how can they do that? Uh, we've got a website, lots of stuff on it, um, powerpackministries.co.uk. Yeah, we'll put that um, link in the description. So. Yeah, and I've also got, um, uh, as part of that, there's a Ignite with Testimonies section, um, which is lots of testimonies about how God's used children in the past and, and currently. Um, some of the children that we've had as trainee preachers preach on there and all sorts of stuff. So uh, it's worth taking a look at that. Um, Fantastic. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. I, can you end this time for us just by praying for this next generation around the world? I, I think there's something unique on this particular generation. I think God's raising them up for such a time as this. And I'd love you just to pray for the children who we encounter and, uh, and for this generation. Okay. Father, I want to thank you for uh, the fact that we have the incredible priv privilege of partnering with you uh, to work with this generation of children. Uh, they've been through a lot. They're, they're definitely, uh, they've experienced things in this last year or so around the world that, that children before haven't. Um, and, and I want to pray, Lord, that I want to pray for them, um, that that as uh, things hopefully get back to some semblance of normality, Lord, that you will heal them, that you will uh, 
just uh, be close to them show yourself to them lord i pray that they will walk into uh, a new experience of your holy spirit those that know you and lord for us as leaders i want to pray too that you'll help us to to just hear from you hear from heaven as it were and uh, and not just uh, go back to what we've always done but actually to take this as a an incredible opportunity to ask what you want to do in these days and lord i'm praying that you will raise up more and more and more children who can stand strong when whatever comes against them they can stand strong when they're on their own they can stand strong when they're being um bullied when their their lives are being made miserable that they can still stand strong because they know who they are in you and they know who you are so will you please uh, bless them lord and and help them to to just uh, just know uh, what you have for them and I, and i'm asking lord that there will be incredible testimonies uh, that we will hear from all around the world of how you're using children to shape their nations whether that be school family church or literally the nations i pray for your blessing lord on them on us as leaders and as families lord that you will uh, be all that you need to be for parents in these days in jesus name amen amen well heather thank you so much for joining us and if you enjoyed this conversation and you'd like to hear more like it i want to encourage you to subscribe click the notification bell and uh, put a thumbs up like thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you next time